Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Man, so glad to have you with us this morning. Welcome to the Rhodes. Welcome to you watching online. My name's Chad. My wife Dawn and I are the pastors here. It's just great to hang out with you. We're talking about generous living. How many know that was some generous living testimony right there of what God can do? in our lives. And that's why I wanted to show that video to you because I want you to understand it's more than just a teaching, more than just something that someone else is talking about. It's uh, something that's happening in people's lives and God's want, God wants you to experience that as well. So I pray that that video encourages you today. Uh, we're going to get right into the message. If you've got your sermon notes, you can pull those out of your worship guide, get your Bibles out and uh, get your notes. You can get those on the Uversion Bible app. Get your phones out, whatever you use to look up the Word of God. Let's open our Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Yeah! 1 Corinthians 16. Generous living. Generous living. We've been talking about this because we're wanting to, we're in a part of our year where we're wanting to develop generosity and grow generosity at a whole nother level. Wanted to increase in our life. Our vision here at the Roads is to build generous people. It's not to build a generous organization, but to build generous people because I believe that a generous life is a bigger life. It's just a bigger life. The Bible even tells us that in Proverbs in chapter 11, verse 24, it says, The world of the generous gets what? Bigger and bigger, or larger and larger. Larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets what? Gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm adding now, but smaller. (laughs) But the world of the generous, what? It gets larger. So I don't know about you, but I want to live a larger life. I don't want to live a small life. So the Bible tells me the key, the formula for me to live a larger life is I got to be generous. So we got to decide which kind of life do we want. Do we want a large life or do we want a small life? And I believe you want a large life. So that's why we have one of our core values here at, here at the roads, kind of a staples that we build on, is that we live generously. Freely we receive, freely we give. So I want you to freely give of whatever you've received. I don't want it to be something that, that you have. somebody has to pull it out of your fingertips as you're just hanging on for dear life. Just live generously. Freely we receive, freely we give. One of our core values. So that's why when we do this, if we understand this principle, you understand why we create opportunities to live generously. Opportunities to give and serve. That's why when we have the dream team, it's an opportunity to serve something greater than ourselves. When we're wanting to build a generous life, we have to create opportunities to do things to help develop that characteristic. When we have an opportunity to serve on the dream team, it's not to fill a slot in the church. Some people have that misconception. Oh, you want me on the dream team? Must need somebody back there. Must need somebody up there. Must need some. No, no, no. The reason, the real God-given vision behind the dream team is to develop a characteristic on the inside of us of serving someone other than ourselves. It's Christ-like. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve. 
to give my life as a ransom for any. So we're trying to create a generous lifestyle that, hey, we want to develop opportunities that you can actually not just receive when you come to church, but you come to give. What a novel idea that I come to serve someone else. I don't just come in, sit down, get what I need, and get out. That's not generous living. Generous living is I'm going to come and I'm going to bless someone else. I'm going to serve. That's what the dream team's about. So we serve in that way. We also give opportunities through connect groups. The, the connect group is not to steal your precious free time away from you. It's an opportunity for you to be generous with your time, to give, to care about someone else. And I believe, I'm convinced this, your world will get larger if you give of your time to help someone else. But if you keep hoarding your precious time, guess what? Your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Do you know if you're a hoarder, you know that TV show Hoarders? If you're a hoarder, you start keeping stuff and you, stop, you start running out of places to put stuff and literally your room gets smaller and smaller because you got junk everywhere. It's the same in our life. Our world will get smaller and smaller when we just hoard and look after ourselves. So we want to live a generous life. That's what we're talking about. So we give you these opportunities. Giving of the resources that God puts in your hand is not about what God wants to get from you. It's truly what God wants to give to you. I, I wrote this down. The purpose of being blessed is so that we can give it away to others. Catch me. This is Christianity 101. Watching online. I hope you're receiving what we're saying, Christianity 101, the basics, the reason why we're blessed is to bless others. For real. But we want God to bless us. But if we're real about it, at the core sometimes, not all the time and not everybody, but at the core sometimes we want to be blessed for ourselves. In our mind, we have something we want for ourselves instead of, God, increase me so that I can bless others. The sole purpose for God pouring into your life is so that you will pour out. If my kids ask for a glass of milk, and I'm more than happy to pour them a glass of milk, fill it up, with all that white goodness. If in 45 minutes that cup is still sitting on the counter full, I get onto them. Why? Because they've wasted what I poured into them. The sole purpose for pouring into a cup is that it will be poured out to benefit something else other than itself. No one celebrates a glass. Oh, look at that glass. <laughs> Woo, that's an awesome glass. It's not about the glass. The only reason that glass has anything is that it's going to be poured out into somebody else. So I say to them, drink your milk. Why? Because it's going to spoil. It's going to start stinking. It's going to start curdling. Got cottage cheese on the counter. 
It's the same thing we do with the gifts that God gives us that we don't pour out. After a while, what's the matter? They don't pour out. They just... We got to give of what God's given to us. I want them to have it. I'll pour out as much milk as we have as long as they keep using it. God will pour into your life all that you can handle as long as you keep pouring out. But the day that you stop pouring out is the day that he says, I can't help it. I would love to give you more, but you haven't used what I gave you. You're not giving out what I gave you, so I can't give you more until you get rid of what I've given you. Generous living. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's go ahead and get to the Bible. Some of you get nervous about spoiled milk. But here's what Paul said. Paul's writing this letter to a church. Really, let's just say he's writing it to us. He's writing it to believers. He's writing it to you. So listen like he's talking to you. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. The word collection just means a voluntary collection. Like they, they volunteer. This wasn't a tax or a payment. They volunteer. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders, I've made arrangements, is what Paul's saying, to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Notice what's happening. He's writing to the church in Corinth. We've got a multi-site church here in the book of Corinthians. We've got the church meeting in Jerusalem. And Paul has established all these other campuses. He's got a campus in Galatia. He's got a campus in Thessalonica. He's got a campus in Philippi. He's got a campus in Corinth, and he's saying to all of them, what happens is each one of these churches would give, and then they would take it to Jerusalem, to where the apostles, and apostles were, and they would help divvy up the support that was coming in. So he said, I, wanna, I want you to set up this in your church, in the church of Corinth. He said, I've already set this up in the church of Galatia for every week for them to set aside something. And I want you to set up in your church too. Why did he say this? Because the church in Corinth, if you'll read the whole letters, the two letters of the book of Corinthians, they were awesome at spiritual gifts. The Bible says that they, they were lacking in no spiritual gift. They were off the charts with the spiritual gifts, but they struggled with giving. They were wonderful with the spiritual things, but when you ask them to give of their money, they're like, um, <laughs> you see, uh, can we just go back to praying in tongues? Can we just, I just want to pray in tongues more. Oh, you think I'm joking, but that's the way it was. They struggled with giving financially, but they received the grace of the gifts of the Spirit, but they struggled with the gift of giving. So Paul's trying to set this up for them and let them know that, listen, I want you to set this aside. Each one of you, notice each one of you, each one of you, not just certain people in the church, but each one of you lay something aside as you may prosper. Here's something we need to understand about the kingdom of God. God works in percentages, not in amounts. J.D. and Tara talked about the tithe. And we'll get into breaking that down today. The reason God talks about the tithe, the word tithe means tenth or 
God works in percentages because he's not impressed with amounts. We are impressed with amounts. God's not impressed with amounts. God is more concerned about what's left over after you give. We get impressed that if we give $500 to church, $500, wow. God's not impressed by $500. He's more impressed with a $5 that's given out of the certain percentage of their overall availability as he has the 500 that's given out of a much larger amount and they only gave a smaller percentage. This is why you don't compare your amount with someone else's amount. This is why it doesn't matter what amount you give. It's not about that. It's about understanding. It's a heart matter. So when we talk about the tithe, God's saying, I want to get something to you. Because what does this collections, you let each, something, uh, each of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, as you prosper. So that word, as you may prosper, is a progression. So as I prosper, I lay something aside in relationship or in accordance with my prospering. Prospering doesn't mean rich, as in whatever rich is. We talked about that, that rich is a relative term. But it means as I progress, what I lay aside corresponds with my progression. In other words, if I started out making minimum wage, $3.35 an hour at IGA at 16 years old, come on somebody, all I'm getting paid is $8 an hour, $3.35 then man, it makes me feel old when I say stuff like that. I sound like my dad now. Anyway, so if I made $3.35 an hour, I tithe off of that. Now at this point in my life, as I progress or prosper, I shouldn't be giving the same amount as I gave then. God may have been impressed and celebrated my giving at 16 at that amount, but if I gave that same amount today, it would not be honoring God. So that's why it's not about amount. It's about as we prosper. So now, let's look at where tithes came from. Why, why do we talk about this? What does the Bible have to say about it? Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. Go Turn there in your Bible. I'm going to teach a little bit because I want you to understand the power in this. I want you to see what J.D. and Tara found. What found how in the world, may, let me ask this question while you're turning there. How in the world could a person that has two kids doing it, their finances their way, have three more kids, total of five, same income level, not a big raise, not more money, and have more money available. How's that happen? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He has a, when we do things God's way, it brings God into the equation. And whenever God's in the equation, it's a good deal for us. So somehow they made that choice to say, okay, I'm going to honor God with the tithe. Where does it come from? Why do we put this in here? In Genesis 2, verse 15, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded of the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Chad, what does that have to do with tithing? This was 2,500 years before the law of Moses. So don't tell me that the tithing uh, just is part of the law. Because God put them into the garden said, I want you to tend and keep it. He asked them to be managers of the garden, not owners of the garden. 
managers of the garden say, I will do whatever the owner tells me to do. And so they had all of these trees in the garden. God said, you can eat of all of them. All of them. I don't know how many there were. There could have been 10. There could have been 10,000. I don't know how many trees were in there. But he said, there's only one that I don't want you to eat from. And what do we do as humans? (laughs) We focus on the one. Oh, look at the fruit on that one. Look at all these trees I could eat, God says. Hey, look at all this. Look at all these trees. Let me take you over here. Look at all these. Now, what about that one? How come I can't eat it? Well, look at these. These are all good too. Well, what about that one? This is what we do with the tithe. God says, I've given you 90%. Look at all the things you can do. Well, how come I got to give that? How come I got to give that? What, what about that amount? That's a, look at that amount. We focus on the amount God is asking us to return to him in the tithe instead of focusing on the 90 he's given us to steward. But, Lord, I don't want to give. Look at that amount. Look at how much that is. Well, look what I could do with that. Look what I could do with that. Oh, man, the things I could buy with that. Look at your 90. And stop focusing on the tree that God told you to give to him. So this is what started in Genesis. Look at Genesis 28, uh, 22. Jacob makes this vow. He says, and this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. Of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. Here's the principle, Leviticus 27.30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. This is the principle of tithing. The first tenth, it's holy to God. It belongs to God. You say, wait a minute, Chad, that's, that's, that's OT, Old Testament. Okay, we're under grace now. Make sure we understand this principle. In the Bible, whenever God implements a principle... That principle implemented by an eternal being is an eternal principle until an eternal being cancels that principle and institutes a new one. Did you follow what I just said? I know that was a lot. A temporary earthly being cannot negate an eternal principle. So God puts something in place. He implements tithing in the Old Testament. Only God could say, now I don't want you to tithe. For example, God asks for us to sacrifice goats and lambs in the Old Testament for our sins. Eternal principle. Except an eternal God came and brought his eternal son, Jesus, and said, I'm going to have him sacrificed once for all. No more bloods of bulls and goats. Only the blood of Jesus can save you from your sins. So now, forget bringing your goats. Forget sacrificing your lambs. Go ahead and have lamb chops all day long. I don't want them. I sent my son, that system's over with. That's how it works. So God implements tithing. Just because we're under grace now, it doesn't mean the Ten Commandments are of no effect. Thou shalt not kill is still in play. It's still on the table. So this is what we're talking about. Look, Jesus even validated it, though, in Luke eleven forty two. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe. This is Jesus talking in the New Testament. Jesus is pretty credible. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. I'm not sure what rue is, but just go with me. Manner of herbs and passed by justice and the love of God. Look what he says. These you ought to have done. What was he talking about? The tithing on the mint, the rue, and all manner of herbs. You ought to have done those without leaving the others undone. So he's not saying, hey, you know what? Just concentrate on love and justice. Now, just forget all that time. He said, no, keep doing the tithing, but just add the other to it. 
So he's validating that principle in the New Testament saying, hey, tithing's still in play. You should still be doing that. Nowhere in Scripture did I say that tithing has gone away. It's still in play. And it's not in play for a fundraiser. It's in play for you and me because he wants to do something in our life. And we'll see what that looks like. So now, it's not of the law. Let's go to Exodus 13. Tithing is not of the law. It's life. It's life. Let's look at the principle of what God's talking about giving. Being generous in the area of our finances. The, the church in Corinth was great, and I've found this to be true a lot of times. There's people that are very strong in certain areas of their life spiritually, but they struggle in this area. And they keep overlooking this area. Can I say this to you? And I mean it with all sincerity in my heart. Because there's area in my life that I need help in, and, and I'm always wanting to receive that help. The area of our life where we lack generosity is the area of our life we will experience lack. We'll say it again. Note takers are world changers. The area of our life where we lack generosity is the area we will experience lack. So if I'm experiencing lack, people will say this to me, Chad, well, I, I want to tithe. I, I want to I do that. I want to start doing it. But, man, I'm just struggling right now. I know why you're struggling, because you're not tithing. I know, but someday when I get where I can, then I will. No, you won't because you got the system backwards. J.D. and Tara didn't say, when I get some extra money, we'll start tithing. They said, we're going to start right now. And they said, and if you listen to the video, said it was tough in the beginning. But you will understand the principle that whenever you start, it's hard. Why? Because the enemy's trying to stop you. I just had somebody after the first service come and talk to me. He said, Chad, I, just, I, could, I could tell you exactly that was us, that God spoke to us about tithing. We were tithing, but we were tithing on the net. God spoke to us about tithing on the gross. And so we wanted to start doing that. But, man, it was hard at first, but we kept doing it. And they begin to say, here's what, this has paid off, this has happened, this has happened, and we just want to thank you because we're a testimony of what God could do. But we had to get through, I call that tough plowing. The first time you start tithing, you better be ready because it's going to be tough. The enemy's going to do anything he can to get you to say, well, we tried it, it didn't work. No, it tried you and you didn't work. You got to stick with it. That's not a, a condemnation to you. It's just the enemy's going to try and stop you. The area that you lack generosity, if you lack generosity in your time, guess what? You're not going to have much free time. As we sow, we're going to reap. If you lack generosity in complimenting people, you're not going to get many compliments back. The area that you experience, Lack of generosity, you're going to experience like Exodus 13. Let's go with this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of the man and the beast, it is mine. Firstborn, it's mine. Verse 11, jump down. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you that you shall set apart to the Lord. Notice who we're setting apart to. All that open the womb, that is, every firstborn comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey, which is an unclean animal, you shall redeem with a lamb, which is a clean animal. And if you will not redeem it, then you will break its neck, and all the, first, all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So now notice what happens. You have a firstborn of an animal. Here's the principle. Firstborn of a clean animal, which is a lamb, then you're supposed to sacrifice that. Firstborn of an unclean animal, a donkey, you need to redeem it with a clean animal. But if you will not redeem it, then you've got to kill it. 
This sounds harsh. Let's bring it forward to 2018. What does that mean? The tithe is our redemptive portion. It's the lamb. If I will give God the lamb, it will redeem the rest. But if I will not give up the lamb, so if I have, if I have a farmer and I had a lamb, I got all these lambs over here, all these over here, and then I got, I got this firstborn donkey, and I'm like, oh, I've been believing God for a donkey. Look at that, that's a beautiful little donkey. Beautiful donkey. That's awesome. But I love my lambs. That's an unclean animal. I've got to sacrifice one of my lambs for the donkey, to redeem the donkey. But if I put too big a value on my lambs, then I'm going to have to kill the donkey. And God said, you don't have to kill the donkey. You just got to be willing to sacrifice the lamb. 2018. If I value the tithe so much that I will not give it to God, it will cost me something it doesn't have to cost me. If I will give up the precious tithe, God will bless my donkey. But if I will not give up my tithe, then it may cost me the life of my donkey. What I have left over may not go as far, and I'm always struggling. Why? My donkey's getting killed. Are you grasping what I'm throwing out? So, so verse 14, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. I'm going to get a short version of this. So I'll put it in modern terms because I think you can relate better. So you've got a son that's coming up in the family business. And he starts getting smart and sees these lambs that are being born. Every one of them represents money. And so now he sees that firstborn and he sees you, dad, go over here, or she sees you, one of your daughters, sees, go over and you kill and sacrifice that lamb to God. And your son's just going, hmm, that was $500. You just, so they get wise. And they say, dad, <clears throat> let me just tell you something, dad. As I'm going to take over the business, let me just tell you what you're doing wrong here. Every lamb that you're killing over here and sacrificing to God, that's costing us $500. I've done some calculating, and if you'll not kill all those lambs, we're going to be money ahead, Dad. God said, I knew your sons would think they were smart like that. <laughs> so when that happens, I want you to tell them something. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both firstborn of men, firstborn of the beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord. Translation. Son, you don't understand. The reason that I'm killing that lamb is because you don't understand what God did for me. Whenever I pay my tithe, son, you think I'm, son or daughter, you think I'm giving away. I want all my kids to know that when I'm giving money into the kingdom of God, I'm doing it because I've been redeemed by the clean animal. I've been redeemed. And so it's my privilege to offer him the first fruits of everything he's brought into my hand because what he's done for me. So I tell them, listen, you better tithe off of that because God's brought me somewhere. And this is what he was telling them. Whenever they sacrifice that lamb, you better teach them, teach them the tithe. Don't be too afraid to teach your kids the tithe at a young age. Tell them why you do it. Tell them why you do it, that I'm honoring God. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not just making a donation. Don't make a donation to the church. Honor God with the first fruits of all your... He's the one who redeemed you. The church didn't redeem you. So why, why do I... I'm t I always say this way, that if you, if you think the tithe teaching is about a money grab for the church, 
let me just give you freedom. That it, go find a church that you believe in more, that you feel is more integrous, and give it to them. It, I'm, I'm not looking for, I'm trying to get something to you, not from you. When I teach on the tithe, I'm wanting God to be able to flow into your life, into your finances. If you think it's about something we got to get to ourselves, then go find another place that you believe in and give it. But I'm telling you, it is worth it to you to honor God with the tithe. Honor God with the tithe. I'm not, I don't need your money. God doesn't need my money. But I want my kids to know, teach them early. Teach them, well, they're just kids. You know, they get $10 in a card from grandma. Ask them, how much of that belongs to Jesus? One dollar. That's what my kids used to say. Twenty-five dollars from Grandma. That's that's very good. I know, Dad. Two dollars and fifty cents. That's right. Why? Because I'm trying to get something in them that's going to help them. Because if we won't tithe on the one dollar from the ten dollars on the ten dollars from Grandma, I won't tithe on a hundred thousand dollar salary that someone's given to me. Some people won't tithe because they said, you know, I can't, 10% on the growth. Chad, you don't understand. You realize how much money that would be for me to give? Some people think they actually make too much money to give. I don't know if the answer to that is to pray that God would reduce our salary down to a level that we feel more comfortable tithing at. God, could you just bring me down to $500 a week? I felt a lot more comfortable tithing at 50 bucks. But now that I'm making 5000 a week, I, 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 I can't. Let's go to the next scripture. See, Jesus, Jesus was God's firstborn. He was his first fruits. In, in John chapter 1, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was God's firstborn. He was his lamb. He was clean. Jesus was pure. Jesus was without sin. So Jesus, clean animal, had to be sacrificed, right? We were born unclean. Unclean animal had to be redeemed. So Jesus was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. He was clean, we were unclean. I don't make it into heaven without Jesus being sacrificed. And this is the same principle. Jesus was given by faith by God. God gave Jesus before anyone believed. Your Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First fruits always takes faith. If I have this mama, firstborn comes out, I have no guarantee how many lambs that mama's gonna give birth to. God didn't say, have 10 lambs and then give me one of them. He said, give me the first one and trust me that there will be more. Let me give you just an example in dollars because you guys don't understand lambs. You're like, I've got in my hand 10 $1 bills. Let me fan it out, make it look good. Come on, making it rain up in here. 10 $1 bills. The tenth, the tithe, of these 10 $1 bills, 10 $1 bills is $1, all right? Simple math. But if I was to give you these 10 $1 bills, one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The principle of first fruits is not one of the ten, it's the first one. This is why we give God first. When talk about tithing on the gross or the net, 
is talking about we're gonna give God first. And when God first started speaking to me about giving to him first, even before the government, I choked. So God, I, I don't even have that money. That's not even mine. I don't even see that. I can't tithe on that. He said, who do you honor more, me or the government? Well, I guess the answer is you, but I still don't want to give it. <laughs> he said, try me. Try me. Because God had wanted to teach me a lesson to not put my faith in the government, put my faith in him. Because what if the government gets jacked up? <laughs> not saying it could ever happen. But what if, let's go out on a wild limb and say they might go crazy. If I honor God, then I'm believing he's gonna supply my need instead of the government. There's some rumors now going around that they're going to take away the tax deduction for charitable donations. I say, take it. I'm not giving my tithe for a tax deduction. I'm giving my tithe to worship God, to redeem my donkey. So if you take it away, I'm still gonna give. I mean, what a tax deduction, what, how much is that? What, what is that compared to the blessing of the Lord? We're gonna come after your not-for-profit status. So, do you supply all of our needs? Do you think your tax percentage is going to vex the kingdom of God? God's pretty big. We gotta trust him with the first. He trusted you with Jesus before you believed. He gave Jesus on that cross. He didn't say, well, let's wait and see how many people will sign a paper guaranteeing they will accept Jesus as their Lord before I have him go die. He didn't do that. He said, Jesus, go hang. Go hang naked. And I believe people will follow you. I believe people receive. When I give the tithe, I don't know what's going to happen with the 90. But I just know he's in it. When the, king, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they were going to take Jericho. The first city. The first city. And God said this, and you can follow it. I put it in your notes there. You can read about it. He said, listen, everything that you get in the spoil, you can't have any of it. Bring it into the house of God. So they go into Jericho. You know, walls come tumbling down. You remember the story? I am still shaking. because There's a rumbling in that town. Maybe it's the glory of God. But anyway, they, they a bunch of gold and silver in there. He said, you can't have any of it. Bring it in the house of God. You know, it was the first of 10 cities that they conquered. It was the tithe. Do you know what every city after that, he allowed them to keep the gold and the silver? One guy, Achan, kept the gold and the silver for himself, hid it, buried in his tent. It became a curse to him and his whole family died. That's not a fear tactic. My Lord, it's not a fear tactic. It's helping us understand the power. Proverbs says it this way. Let me close with this. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Can I just say this to you real quickly? The first fruits, honoring the Lord with our first fruits is our job. Filling our barns and vats is his job. 
I have one assignment in this verse, passage of Scripture. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all my increase. That's it. I stop right there. Well, what's going to happen? That's not my job. Are you going to get, you know, is it going to come back to you? Good measure, press down, shaking, over, shaking, running over? I don't know. It's not my job. But how are you going to meet the needs? How are you going to supply for your family? I'm not. I don't supply for my family. God does. I work. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I'm diligent. I'm a good steward. I manage what he gives me. But I honor him with the first. And I say, God, now you're on the clock. But if I never honor him with the first, I never put him in a position to fulfill his part of the arrangement. I put myself in the place of supplying for my family. When I don't honor him with the first, then I take ownership of the 100%. That's a heavy weight on you, man or woman, trying to supply, trying to work, make ends meet. That's a heavy weight. But when you put him first, all I'm responsible for is 10%. I'm walking around a little lighter (laughs) because the 90% responsibility is on him. I I already texted mine in. God, now you're on the clock. That's how it works. When we rob and we do it for ourselves, you don't want that ownership. You don't want that weight. So I say it this way. Let's close with this. We're not trying to get something from you. Like I said, you don't have to tithe at all. You don't have to to do anything you don't want to do. But I promise you, just like J.D. and Tara experienced, just like the people I talked to after the first service, I I could give you a lot of my testimony, but you'll think I'm just still manipulating. I would rather hear from someone else. It works. Don't be great in all these other areas of your life and struggle in this one. I hear it, Chad. (sighs) I'm trying. I'd love to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm like, no, you're not. I want to tell them, no, you're not. You're not going to until you do. Then you will. But it's hard. I know. I know. But the blessing is worth it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.